0: Well, we've just seen the Federal Reserve deliver a 25 basis point hike. It was widely expected, but we have seen a dovish reaction coming through markets. We've seen dollar sellers. We've seen buyers of treasuries. And gold's had a bit of a rally as well. We've got banks still very, very much in play at the moment. They seem to be driving the hedging trades. There seems to be good buyers of gold. Interest rate moves as a result of what's been happening there as well. We move on to the Bank of England as Central Bank Divergence 101 encapsulates FX trading for now. Blake and I discuss all those factors and more in the trade-off. Mm-hmm. Hi there, my name is Chris West. I'm head of research at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Murray from Forex Analytics. I'm going to be discussing all the factors that are going on in these crazy markets. We like to get personal here at uh, at, uh, the trade off, and I'm inviting you into my hotel room. I've just come over to Hong Kong uh, to do some business over here, so we're just uh, moving around, getting global, and uh, so I'm just inviting you into my hotel room. So there we go, Blake. Do you want to come in and have a? Have a peruse round. Yeah, what uh, what you got on TV behind you? That's what I want. to know. Uh, I got the trade off, <laughs> mate. Trade off, obviously. But uh, no, it's been it's been a, it's been a wild. I dare I say, it, you know, couple of weeks really. I mean, last week. I think we saw historic moves coming through in the bond market. We saw historic moves coming from interest rate settings. Yeah, banks very much in play. We we're going to be focused on all of those factors. Um, but it's really, you know, we, we talked about at the beginning of the year this idea about being agile, being humble to the market and trading like a ninja because every consensus trade gets blown out one by one. Yeah, you know, we rip and we change. Uh, we have to change the way we're thinking. We're getting humbled. Every consensus trade seems to move around. So we've got to trade like a ninja. You know, you keep those position sizes fairly, fairly small at the moment and be prepared to react, right? You have to.
1: You have to be. And and things are moving really fast um, today. I, you know, I want to I want to say the reaction that we saw today, I think probably blew a few people away. And and we're going to talk about that today and and through the show, because there's there's a really a lot in your own words. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack, and I think we should get straight into
0: it. Let's go into topical thunder. Well, the first one I want to talk about is banks because uh, you wanted to talk about the Fed meeting, so I'll let you have that one. That can be your baby. Um, but look, for me, the banks, you yeah, know, well, there, there's been so much which has been thrown at the banks, you know, to, to address liquidity issues. We are really focused on deposits, you know, and 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 the outflows of deposits mostly into money market funds as well, but also back into from, from small banks into big banks. Um, I know there's been lots of talks about deposit guarantees, and I think part of the reason we've seen a bit of tightening financial conditions and equity markets rolling over is because Janet Yellen has, has pretty much stipulated they can't guarantee all deposits. I have no idea how they would do that in the first place. I mean, if Treasury were to leverage up their capital and go through the Fed Using taxpayers' money to, to 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 have a blanket guarantee of all banks' deposits is is just not going to fly. It's going to be a, it's not going to go down well amongst the uh, the populace within America. I can tell you that. Um, you know, the Federal Reserve they obviously can't guarantee all deposits without causing some some negative side effects. So. You know, it's pretty much that the banks are going to be – their deposits are going to be guaranteed on a case-by-case basis. At the moment, we know there's an, an implicit guarantee. Um, and I don't think that there's going to be a situation anytime soon where any kind of failing bank is – not their depositors are not going to made whole. I think that's going to continue now because the market would see it as a systemic event. So any bank that fails, I think depositors are okay for now, hence why JP Morgan, Bank of America and those guys lent – $30 billion worth of deposits to First Republic. But, yeah, we've got our eyes on that. We've got our eyes on what's happening with the Fed's balance sheet, the take-up of liquidity, all these various measures that have been put in place um, to be preemptive. We've seen dollar swap lines coming through. So central banks and the authorities have been trying to get into this place to ring-fence the issue, um, and we've seen funding issues coming through. But the banks are still trading pretty heavy, Blake. I mean, we saw the KRE you know, dropping really nasty price action in the in the regional bank ETFs into the close because yeah, you know, Yellen's now saying that they're not going to ensure all deposits. Deposits, and and when we saw that coming down, we saw gold rally. We saw interest rate um, cuts being priced in. So it's pretty clear to me that the banks are still very much driving the market here.
1: They they really are, and and I it, you have to hand it for, to Janet Yellen for stepping over um, uh, Powell today, speaking at the same time. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that was the mo- <laughs> that was the best thing to do. Um, no, you're but- right. I know. I was like, wait a second. Did that headline just hit when we're listening to Powell right now? But anyway. Um, as if we didn't have the, enough the, to
0: worry about. We're sort of reacting to what Powell's saying. And then Janet and Yellen hits us and says, I want the attention. Come to me. And in the market, the market started right. selling. Banking.
1: Right. You know, you had your 15 minutes of fame or, you know, as much as she could give her. But anyway, um, you know, that that is a, a concern, genuine concern to the banking system. And I think um, you are going to see further, and I mean, you saw it in equities. Equities sold off; they closed near their lows. Um, and I think that is going to ripple, have a ripple effect overnight. And that's why I think there's going to be a lot of trades popping up over the next 24 hours or so for us as traders to be looking at. Because I, I'm i going to I'm going to say the market might second guess some of the decisions that were made today in North yeah. American trade.
0: I just want to put this in before you get your your, your Fed one. Um, we are watching these deposits. I mean, even if you guarantee even if you guarantee deposits, you've still got corporate treasurers who are sitting there going, you know, if this bank fails, yeah, I'm fine, I might, I might be guaranteed. But I still need that money for things like payroll and all these business activities. So you're moving your money across to you know, your big banks, your JP Morgan's, those kind of, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Bank of America's, those kind of places. And, and, and so that, 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 that flea of deposits is still happening. So we're watching deposit flows and we're watching flows into money market funds because you can still get 5% there um, at a risk-free rate. So I still think flows around deposits is, is going to be something that's really big. Plus – You've got to understand something that powell was talking about last night he couldn't put a price on it he couldn't put a figure on it but there is going to be high regulation and that's going to lead to a credit contraction i think by the end of the year it's probably going to weigh about 50 basis points on growth and that's going to mitigate the need for for, for higher interest rates in that situation but the fed can't model this credit contraction and the market is worried about that so banks for me right at the heart of everything we're seeing
1: they really are and, and that's going to take us to our next topic because one of the one of the headlines let me see if i can find it really quick one of the headlines that came out uh from from Powell policy must be tight enough to bring down inflation some of that quote some of that tightness can come from credit conditions well today uh, i would venture to guess thank you janet yellen uh, uh cre- you know conditions have tightened even further thanks to you know janet yellen and her her uh, her headline comments while powell was speaking but you know, you, we look at the FOMC and we ask, you know, was this a dovish hike? You know, I, I'm I'm really in the camp and I've always been in the camp that you have to watch their actions, the Fed's actions versus what they say, because they're going to say anything to calm the markets, but their actions speak louder than words. They did raise rates in the face of what you're seeing, the landscape we're, we're seeing right now. So you could say, well, it was a dovish hike. You know, they're talking about – um you know uh, pal also mentioned that that rates may may have to go higher than the the market anticipates i mean you know i know the market heard initially that it was a dovish hike and yes the market probably reversed you know when yellen's comments came out but still i i look at i look at what we're dealing with with the fed and with other central banks they are still raising rates and we've got the bank of england we've and i know we're going to talk about this too in the next segment with the Swiss National Bank and the Bank of England but we're still in a in a in a rate hike regime globally now you could argue that that today may have signaled that that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel but what are your thoughts on that do you think the fed's done here or getting close yeah. to being done
0: I thought, yeah, I mean, I think the reaction was very telling. I mean, we saw five-year real rates dropping from one point one point four one point four percent down to one eighteen. That's the reaction you want to look at. Um, two-year real rates went down from four. About, well, they were falling into it anyway. We went from about four twelve into three ninety one, and that's where the dollar fell out of bed. So, you know, they, they raised rates by twenty-five basis points. You know, they 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 basically told us that that some additional uh, tightening may be required. That word "some" and "may" are like the two words that everyone's picked out on, and 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 therefore we're pricing yeah about 13 basis points for the May meeting um, and then we're done pretty much in that situation but yeah like there's, there's still stuff the Fed want to tighten I think the market wants the Fed to tighten you know the fact the fact if the Fed weren't to tighten is either going to be a result that the next CPI print I think on the in April is going to be weaker if it was much weaker, which I don't think it's going to be, I think we're going to be seeing another core CPI number, yeah, 50 basis points month on month, which would justify moving rates again. Um, but for them, therefore, to, to, to not raise rates means we're going to be seeing yeah, a further fallout in the banking world and a, and a tightening of financial conditions. So for the Fed not to raise again, I think it's going to be negative for the market. They'll, they want to raise. They want to be in a position to hike. And the thing that's not going to see them raise is, is is poor, is a far tighter financial conditions, tighter, you know, wider credit spreads, you know, lower equity markets, banks really you know, showing further signs. Um, so I think the next one, you know, early April, we get the next payrolls number. We need to see some weakening there. We get the next CPI number coming out on the 12th of April. I, I think we're probably going to see something between 0.4, 0.6 month on month core. And that should really give us another inf- inflation number. If the Fed aren't raising there, it's going to be because of negative factors, and, and that's not good for equity in that situation. So, it's yeah, everyone's done. But I think, yeah, the market now is pricing yeah, a 50 50 chance that we get another rate hike in, in May, and then it's pretty much over. And then we're going to get 78 basis points of, of cuts from that May meeting to the end of the year, which I think is too much. But there we go. That's what the market's looking at. And it goes into this divergence trade. We want to talk about central banks more broadly because the euro's ripping at the moment. We've got a load of charts on the euro that everyone's. I'm in love with the euro. Is the uh, is is the saying at the moment? Yeah, everyone's saying oh, I love the euro so much, it's you know, it's doing everything right. You've got Christine Lagarde basically saying that you know tackling inflation is is non-negotiable at the moment. You yeah, clearly she is the most hawkish of central bankers out there, which is so ironic. And I, you, know, you can talk about irony in, in in so many capacities, but if we're talking banks. European banks are probably in a better position than Swiss banks. They're probably in a better position than US banks. Imagine that a year ago, say that the banking space that we like the most, from a uh, from a liquidity perspective and a, from a capital ratio perspective, is actually Europe. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me on that one, but that's that's kind of where we are at the moment. I think US banks are the problem, not European banks at the moment, and certainly Swiss banks now. They've seen the consolidation, but you know you got the ECB expected to to raise another 45. 50 basis points through this year. They've already been pretty aggressive. The Bank of England we've got tonight, they'll, they'll raise by 25 basis points after that inflation number we saw yesterday. Um, yeah, We're pricing in maybe another couple of hikes in, in the UK. Um, and then we've got all these rate cuts that are coming into, into the year. 79 basis points of cuts from May to the end of the year. Canada are expected to cut rates Um, later this year, you know, that's what's priced into rates markets. You've got the the RBA now who are on hold, the market saying probably in June, we we could start seeing an easing cycle. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case, but that's what's being priced. Similar in New Zealand as well. So you've got these divergent trades coming out and, and, and clearly the euro is benefiting from that. So yeah, we're seeing really good price action. So when we're talking about currency trading, Blake, we talk about these divergent settings that are priced in now. How much are you looking at that? And how much are you saying this euro's is it overloved or, or do we just keep buying it here?
1: Can we just skip ahead to the play of the day? I mean, we'll get the- that, <laughs> <right, isn't it? laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, but but I, I think it plays a lot into it. If, if if you guys, you know, a lot of people that are coming into the currency market for the first time are getting, getting their feet wet in the currency market. There are really two things that drive the market in, in currencies, it's interest rates and interest rate expectations. And divergences are what we as traders wanna see. We want to see divergence and convergence of expectations because what that does is that gives us a lot of opportunity. It gives us a lot of volatility. And that's exactly what Chris is mapping out. He's telling us I, right can now. Can I
0: just say one thing, Blake? I'll just jump in.
1: The other thing, and you made two good points
0: there, the other thing that really drives currency markets is the relative attractiveness of an, invest in, an investment destination of a country. And when we're talking about financial instabilities, you know, you're looking at Europe at the moment and like, you know, there's a lot of people who still work on this legacy issue that, that Europe's the biggest risk out there. Um, but when you're talking about the banks, And, you know, the the attractiveness of banks, yeah, fine, you know, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and all these kind of banks are are brilliant banks and they're your tier one banks. But you go into the smaller end of town, uh, I would argue that there's more risks in in US banks. And it's not just the yield on offer, you know, it's the the, the safety aspect. So the relative attractiveness of a place as a financial institution uh, is very much there, which is part of the thing that you're looking at the Swiss Swiss issue. I mean, if, if we hadn't seen Credit Suisse and UBS tie up and have a merger there, you know, I think this whole idea of, of Switzerland as a financial center would have very much been called into question. And I think the Swiss rank would have taken an absolute bloodbath on the back of that. So I think, yeah, you make some good points. But this idea about the relative attractiveness um, of a geography as an investment destination is still there as well.
1: Well, let's talk about like attractiveness and let's go back to the dollar. And that's going to be our next topic, because I'm going to argue that um, the dollar still reigns supreme as the ultimate safe haven currency, despite all the banking issues that we're seeing. But over the last, what, two weeks, we've seen the dollar slide about three and a half, almost 4%. So it's come off quite a bit in the dollar index. Um, But, you know, when we're looking at central banks and we're looking at this divergence between, uh, you know, what's happening with the Europe or the ECB, the Bank of England, you know, we, again, we have the Swiss National Bank tomorrow. They're even expected to raise rates a half a percent tomorrow, I'm going to argue that this dip in the dollar is going to, I think people are going to be buying it and they're going to be buying, they're going to be changing decisions, making decisions based on what had happened today, looking at what Yellen had to say and saying, okay, the U.S. is not going to uh, you know, guarantee all of these deposits. Because I think if she would have gone the other direction, the dollar would have been sold hand over fist. You would have been like yours. yours (laughs) yours, dollars <laughs> said, yours. How, how, how are they going
0: to do it how, how, are, they gonna, how are they going to how are you going to have a blanket guarantee of deposits i mean i'm sure it can be done but you know we're, we're just doing it hastily there's yeah there's 40 percent of all deposits which are out there held in the banking system are uninsured at the moment that's trillions and trillions of dollars and and to come out and guarantee that you know that without that being properly thought through and coming out of a clear plan i mean that that that, that has am- ramifications in itself right
1: i i think it does and and but but she didn't and so the point is that we are starting to see the market really come to grips in my opinion that that rates even in the us despite all the issues rates are going higher and the dollar i believe will be bought on this dip and i think this dip tonight is the dip to buy but anyway what are your thoughts on the dollar moving forward i'm not i'm I'm, i get your point
0: and I'm not in that in the dollar ball camp right now. It's not there. Um, the divergent trades. And, and, and why is that? The trade you want to look at, again, I'll come back to my point, the banks. Until we see better buying in the banks, the banks are driving everything, right? So if, if you look at what's pricing into the difference between May and December in, in, in swaps markets, yeah, that's gone from 58 basis points to 78 basis points of cuts. In that time, the dollar fell. Yeah, we saw rates moving lower. And so the the banks and the, the tape in the banks is driving rate cuts, that's trading people to buy gold as a hedge, but it's also seeing dollar outflows. So until we see buying in the banks, then then I'm not i do- I'm not a buyer of the dollar. So buy banks, buy the US dollar. I think that that's the trade. You're seeing all these interconnections playing through, but I think banks are the first derivative in that. So until we see, um, once we start seeing yeah, banks base and we start seeing. You know, better buying with some volumes coming into like the KR ETF and some of these smaller banks start putting in some better price action. Then I'm a buyer of dollar because what you'll see within is they, these rate cuts will come out of the market and people will start buying dollars in the back one. Powell made it pretty clear last night that he does not expect to see rate cuts this year. To get to that point, we need to see a better tape in the bank. So I'm a buyer of dollars. When we see a better tape coming through in the KRE, or the BKW, or the XLF, I think they're the ones you want to look at, um, and that's what I'd be looking at as, as a trader. So I like I like your trade. Like I like buying dollars, but I want to. The trigger for me is a better tape in the bank. So are you are you on that?
1: Uh, I just got to say, I think you. I I have to say it's not it's not blanket buy dollars either. It's you. You really have to be specific to certain currencies, which we're going to get into. <laughs>
0: cool. Well, let's have a look at some of these setups that we've got on mind. Let's go to that's a setup. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, just giving a little jingle to the music there. Uh, euro Aussie, let's bring it up. Everyone loves the euro. I'm in love with the euro. And we talk about uh, divergence 101 So we've got the RBA now. There's probably better trades out there. I mean, Euro CAD has been going on an absolute floor. I'm sure there's people out there who're watching this, watching the trade off right now. So bring up Euro CAD. Bring up Euro CAD. It's going on an absolute tear at the moment. The euro's bit, uh, the CAD's been the weakest currency. And generally speaking, I like to marry up the strongest with the weakest, and and obviously try and get your your, your timings right. Whether you're buying a pullback in in a bullish trend or whether you're just continue to trade there but euro aussie is the interesting one for me why because we're just about to break out and i love you i love yeah you know, behavior around breakouts you know as we talk about time and time again on the show when you get failed breakouts they can be very very powerful indeed and you can get good shorting opportunities but if this was to break out through those 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 2022 highs that we've got those two black lines uh, there i think that'd be a very powerful force and i want to be trading that so you've got some nice shape in in, in sterling against against the aussie Um, hesitant against uh, buying sterling exposure ahead of the Bank of England just in case we do get them uh, keeping rates on hold, which would be a massive surprise. I'd expect them to raise by 25. But I like this setup, Blake. I think uh, you've got the the ECB, which are clearly the most hawkish central bank. Next meeting, they'll raise by 25 basis points again. uh, They're stepping it down from 50. I think a lot of the issues in European banks will be ring-fenced relative to other markets. Um, And I think the RBA are done here. I think yeah, they're they're going to pause for a a period of time, and I like that divergence trade. So price action is is mirroring the fundamentals what do you think
1: yeah i i think the euro aussie is a great trade uh, lo- alongside trade here the play of the day last week for me was the euro kiwi i think the euro has been absolute beast mode so i love these euro crosses I, I do think we're getting up to some technical levels that we need to be aware of i think maybe an ascending channel resistance in the euro aussie but i'm i i like them and i like them in this environment too when Things are uncertain. I think the euro is going to be bought over the over the Aussie, over the Kiwi, over the Canadian, any commodity currency, maybe even emerging market currencies as well. So I love the euro Aussie. I like the fact that you pointed out there's a couple other euro currencies that can also perform well, too. So I think as a group, they look I just good. want to
0: jump in. I just want to jump in one more time. If, you, if the tape that we saw in the Russell, the RT, uh, the, the US 2000, have a look at the tape there. It was dark. It was sinister. Um, and, and as we talked about, the equity markets are breaking down. If the equity markets continue to sell off, um, even big tech is getting is getting hit. If we see that they're doing that, then these high beta currencies, the Aussie, the Kiwi, the CAD, they're going to get taken down as well. So that's another dynamic. It's not just about this divergence trade. But if the equity market continues to fall, um, then, then the Aussie is going to get smashed. So I like the trade from, from that perspective as a hedge against equity drawdown as well.
1: All right. Well, you know, my my uh, next setup, and this is a setup going into tomorrow, is going to be the pound yen or the guppy, right? Guppy. Chris, the guppy. <laughs> the <pound laughs> yen. Yeah. But, you know, I, I wanted to bring up this chart specifically because you can see it's con- consolidating in a beautiful triangle consolidation. We're in the apex of that triangle. That means we're getting close to breaking out. And the Bank of England could very well do that. Now, Chris, you mentioned that they were going to raise rates by a quarter percent or 25 basis points. How about if they raise by 50 because of I I don't the inflation data last night was a double digit number. We didn't expect that year over year. They came in at 10.4. I mean, the market was expecting less than 10 percent. So I don't think the BOE is going to act hawkishly and I don't think they're going to do that. But you never know. The flip side is, as you mentioned, maybe they don't raise rates. Now I'm a Yen bull overall. So in other words, I look for these pairs, pound Yen, Euro Yen, Aussie Yen, Kiwi Yen. I look for them to eventually move lower as as uh, as Kuroda you know, exits stage left. Um, so with the pound Yen, I think we're setting up really well. The breakout points around 163, breakdown point is gonna be, let me just make sure I got my numbers straight, around 159.50. And I think it's a setup either direction and I'd rather play it to the short side but that's a setup. What do you think about that one?
0: Yeah, I'll be a seller of rallies in this one, to be honest. I mean, I I, I like, yeah. I do understand that the Bank of England um, have got a problem now with inflation that, that has just stepped up a gear. I mean, their core inflation numbers at 6.2% was, I it's about 50 basis points above consensus. That is a massive, massive, um, you know, outbeat uh, relative to, or, or topside uh, surprise relative to expectations. And, and the Bank of England need to manage that. I mean, we've seen... S- I think 10 readings in a row uh, where where it's just come up just ridiculous levels now. Um, And so they they need to, they need to step it up. So I I think twenty, I think 50 would be uh, a bridge too far, but again, now, now with that inflation issue, um, yeah, they, they they simply have to raise. I I don't think they've had a good choice, but you know, in this environment now where bonds, yeah, people are loving bonds as well, you know, and then they're really good hedge against what's going on in in the craziness. And yeah, I know I find last week we saw one of the, the most historic moves we've ever seen in terms of bond moves. Um, but yeah, the beneficiary of lower bond yields, of course, is the Japanese yen. It validates the Bank of Japan's stance, and of course, you know the best place to be in a falling um, bond environment is in the Japanese yen. So, yeah, there's there's a there's a little bit to like in the pound. There's a bit more to like in the yen. So I think in this environment, probably yeah, I prefer downside or yeah, just wait for the Bank of England to come out and I'll be seller of rallies in sterling yen. I think that's play there. Anyway, let's go to gold because we talk about you know, hedging those those banking risks. I've got. Again, okay, it's good. one of Western's education school days. And what you can see there in the top left is is um, what I've done in terms of interest rate expectations. And what I've done is you can see the equation that we put into trading view, which is the candle chart. The gold line is, is the gold price. Um, and what I've done there is I've looked at the differential between the May FOMC meeting, and I'm using rates as opposed to swaps, um, and the December FOMC meeting. So you can, you can plug the equation, use that equation. And what it does is it, t- is it shows you the number of rate cuts or hikes, but in this case, cuts that are priced in between the peak rate um, and the end of the year. And what we've been seeing is is that those rate hikes or rate cuts have have increased. We've seen gold buyers and vice versa. So as soon as rate cuts get priced out of the market, we see gold coming down. Now, banks are driving that situation. I probably should have overlapped the KRE or the XLF on that one as well. But what you can see there is, is the first derivative of this is interest rate cuts. And, and as rate cuts are coming into the market, we see gold price rally. As rate cuts then come out, the gold price is falling as well. So I haven't got a technical chart, but I thought this was an interesting one because I've had a lot of people coming out to me and saying, you know, we've had three attempts recently at breaking through 2,000 in gold. Why is it not doing it? Why is it not breaking through that level? Well, really for me then, the, the, the idea that if we're going to see a a break of 2000, if we're going to see an all-time uh, move into all-time highs of 2075, yeah, you know, these level of rate cuts really need to sort of continue to be pushed into the markets to get over 100 basis points of cuts. And banks are going to need to deteriorate, which is not a great situation, but gold is a hedge against that. So that's, I thought it was an interesting chart. Gold's really working as a, in movement with the level of rate cuts that are coming through that period. So Blake, what do you, uh, have you, have you been looking at this sort of situation?
1: I have not. I have not been in the school of Westie, so uh, this is it's not a chart that has been on my radar. But I love the fact that you bring this to our viewers. That's the most important thing. That's why you should, you know, as a as a trader, having an account at Pepperstone and getting this type of uh, analysis from from the chief strategist there is great. Anyway, I do want to say this before we move on. Uh, I look at gold and gold looks bullish. There's no reason for me to be on the short side. And you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm agnostic about a a, a, an asset class like gold, like right now, I'm like I really wouldn't want to be short. And if I if I see that, then I'll tell you one thing that the 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 risks of being short, the risks of being long, are
0: if um when when the Fed's balance sheet starts reacting negatively. So at the moment, yeah, people are getting excited because we've seen all these liquidity measures being taken up by the banks. Um, and the Fed's balance sheet was it expanded 300 billion last week. At some stage, that, those loans are going to be repaid and, and, and less money and, and that balance sheet going to start contracting. But it's not going to happen anytime time soon. Uh, and I think the market's worked out that it's not QE5. Um, but the balance sheet expansion is still bad for the dollar and it's, and it's good for gold. The other thing, of course, is if the banks do start rallying, then, then I would, I'd, be, yeah, I'd be looking at selling gold in the back of that one. So there are there are risks to trade. But yeah, gold is a hedge at the moment against what's happening in the banking fallout. So that's the primary use.
1: All right. Well, let's uh, let's turn our attention to the Nasdaq 100 chart. You know, Chris, when I'm as a trend trader, I look at Fibonacci retracements because, you know, nothing moves straight up, nothing moves straight down in a, in a straight line. And when you get bounces or in this case you'd get a bounce in a bearish trend, when it only stalls at a 38% retracement, that means it's a very, very shallow bounce overall. So if you take the all-time highs down to the lows, the bounce, it stalled at the 38% retracement, not only once, but twice. And you might say, well, that might be setting up a double top. It could be, but what it is for sure telling us is that key resistance right now is is right around the, well, whatever the highs were from today, which is around 12,900 roughly and while we trade below that i think the risk is for lower prices you know there's been a lot of reasons why the nasdaq has outperformed over the last week week and a half you could you know come come to us with a bunch of multitude of reasons why but the price action speaks volumes today and that reversal from that key resistance really suggests that you know where your downside risk is and i would think at a minimum the nasdaq 100 revisits the 100 day or the 200 day moving average which is in red which is you know a nice Slice move lower from a risk reward perspective. So, I think the Nasdaq is a great setup for short. What are your thoughts here with the Nasdaq 100?
0: Tough one, isn't it? I mean, I, 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 was, I was I've been pretty bullish on the Nasdaq, um, and, and I've oh, liked. I Rightfully and so. I've liked well. Yeah, you know, what what we've been seeing with equity markets is people hadn't necessarily just been chucking the baby out with the bathwater and just selling all equity, but they've been rotating. They've been rotating out of banks into 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 long duration assets, into tech because the discount rate had been falling, bond yields have been falling both on a nominal and real basis, and people wanted that that safety of the long duration big mega cap techs. So we are starting to see a you know, mega cap tech break down a little bit. So that's that's unconvincing and, and net and, and positive for the short equity trade coming forward. So we. Seen that just that, that rotation out of value, out of banks, um, into uh, into, into the big techs, and that's where, and, and also staples and utilities. And so that was holding the equity markets up. Um, but if we start losing the big tech companies, then then I think you know the, the bid dries up in equities, and in short selling, yeah, you know, equity markets is going to be a, a much better time. We're going to see vols trade you know, higher in that situation. So the Nasdaq's key for me now. Um, Q is a, a key for me because, yeah, you know, if the banks are going to trade terribly. Um, but we're not seeing further rotation into into tech. You know, that's when we start seeing the VIX above thirty percent, and that's when all equity starts going lower. So yeah, tech needs to support, and we need the Nasdaq to support and outperform. If that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's going to be pretty bad for risk, I think. And, and yeah, feed into uh, – and that probably could actually be better for a stronger dollar. When it's when, when you see genuine risk aversion coming through. Um, despite what's happening with banks and stuff, people start buying dollars. There's a hunt for dollars, even though we've got these swap lines coming through. So it's an interesting one. The market's never easy, are they, Blake? <laughs> that's, that's why we're getting humbled. That's why we get school, and That's why we, we, we continue to be agile. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Well, I think I think Blake mentioned this was his player, the player, the play of the day last week, and, and I'm going to take it on and, and ride it a little bit higher. Um, but I think we are coming to points where, where, where yeah, for the scalpers out there, you're going to see some some really nicely defined levels to do. I've got a regression channel there. I've just used the two standard de- deviation level, um, of, or actually I've used the two and a half standard deviation level because that, that will just encapsulate a little bit more of the uh, of the outcomes. But you can see it sort of just rides the the line of best fit that goes through that that recent bullish trend where we've seen higher highs and higher lows coming through, and actually the top of that. Channel um, Would come in line with the the highs that we saw, um, yeah, last year. So I think that's a really really interesting level playing through. Now, fundamentally, of course, as we've talked about it at length in the show, that that the euro remains. Yeah, the, the momentum vehicle and it's got the, the most aggressive and hawkish central bank there. Christine Lagarde clearly in her rhetoric is, is more aggressive um, in her inflation dry, r- fighting rhetoric than any other central bank out there. Uh, some other banks are, are sort of signaling that they're on an extended pause like the Bank of Canada. Um, the New Zealand central bank are less so, um, but we still have rate hikes being priced into their rates curve. And, and if we are going to see anywhere priced out, then it's going to be New Zealand, which is why I've chosen this trade here. But I think there's going to come to a point where you know there's still further upside in this cross, uh, I think we get up into that into those into those resistance level where we've got the regression channel and also those highs, uh, and I think that could present itself some really good levels for scalpers to short into. So a really nice continued momentum trade to play with. But for the scalpers out there, you've got some clearly defined levels to to look to take some some short scalp positions into those into that confluence of resistance levels there.
1: You know, and to be fair, Chris, I, I was actually looking for it if it broke down back below 169.80, and it never did. It held that, and then I actually ended up playing the euro Aussie to the long side. So, you know, I yeah, I cue I off of these charts and a lot of these that I will use to do different cross rates, and that's kind of what we do as currency traders, right? So um, anyway, the, I still think it's a great chart and great yeah, channel. I think it, I I think it, goes, I think it stays high,
0: but I think I'll be looking at – um yeah, some shorting positions into that one as well.
1: Well, if you are, Chris, you might like what I have to say with the Euro-US dollar. And I'm actually looking at this confluence of resistance of the Euro-dollar. And I actually sold some. So I'm going to talk my book right now. I sold some post-FOMC and, and during the during the press conference, we spiked above 109 to 109. I think my, I can look at my average right now. 109.11 is my average average. I am actually going to sell into, into Asian trade, which we happen to be in right now if we if we see a little bit higher prices, but I'm actually looking for a reversal. As long as we don't take out those highs, as long as we stay below that 78% retracement, 161% extension, we call that a confluence. Very, very overbought intraday. You can see how this is a four-hour chart. So as we push into the 109.10 to 109.30 levels, I'm going to be looking to sell a little bit more. I, I'm going to keep a tight leash on it as long as we stay below there. I'll be looking for a move back to 108. That's my going to be my play of the day, and it literally will probably be a day, maybe day and a half. So. There it is, Chris. That's what I'm going to be doing. Well, if, next, anyone's, next if anyone's hours. watching
0: the show and it's two days after you've that situation, reach out to Blake uh, on his Twitter or, or leave a comment in the comments below and and, and we'll let you know how, he's, uh, how he's, uh, if he's still in the trade or he's closed out. So there you go. Anyway, thank you for all. I hope you've uh, enjoyed the little perusing as we go on a global expansion around Hong Kong and into America and around everywhere else that's going on at the moment. It's another whippy-wide in markets. There's a lot going on. Hold on to your hats. Keep an eye on the banks. Keep an eye on the dollar exposure and keep an eye on those rates. It's another big week on the trade-off. See you next week.